Hi, I'm Dr. Mila Brujic, and I'm joined with Dr. Greg Caldwell, where we're going to be talking all about optometric education consultants on the OI show. Uh, Dr. Caldwell, thank you for being here. Greg, tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your practice setting, and really kind of what your, what your area of emphasis and focus is in, in your practice. Yeah, thanks, Mila. Thanks for having me here today. And uh, truly an honor and a pleasure and really never take any of these opportunities for granted. So thank you for what you do uh, for optometry. And thanks for having me on today. Um, not sure, uh, you know, where to start. Uh, I've been practicing for 25 years. And really, my uh, whole process has been uh, or my my whole focus has been in ocular disease throughout my whole career. Um and now, you know, really focusing on OCT and interpretation. But what really has been beautiful over the last two or three years is closing the loop with using things like nutrition and integrative medicine and, and really finding the root cause of things and trying to do prevention. So really kind of sum it all up, ocular disease and now uh, trying to do some prevention out there. Greg, I've known you for a long time, and uh, you're really one of those practitioners that practices what you preach, um, which is evident, because whenever I ask you any questions about anything, you just dive into details that you truly can't have a good appreciation for unless you're doing it on a day-to-day -day basis. And I see that in the way you practice, even in the, the flow. I know I've kind of brought certain challenges that I've had in terms of flow and how do we incorporate certain technologies in the practice. And if you have it, you immediately share with me what the process is. I've always respected that about you. I think that's what makes you a, a great educator as well, too. But I wanted to dig into a, a little to, into that a little bit deeper. I mean, you've now, you, you've, you've been... Um, a nationally recognized speaker and educator for, for decades, Greg, but you've really started something special here uh, relatively recently and share that with the audience, please. Yeah. I'm just going to kind of echo a little bit what you said before I talk about the, the, the meetings here is that, um, you know, I truly love lecturing being a practitioner in Duncansville, Pennsylvania, right? I do see patients every day. Um, Duncansville, Pennsylvania. I am tied in uh, with the Pennsylvania College of Optometry, Salus there, and having students come in, which still gives me my kind of academic tie. But again, I'm out there in the real world, seeing patients, dealing with prior authorizations, dealing with patients coming in and being pregnant, and what can they take, and if they have a herpes infection or a bacterial infection. So that's really where the passion comes from. And those are the challenges that I run into. And then whenever I figure something out, I just want to share with my colleagues and just try and help them out in everyday practice, which then, uh, you know, I've helped build uh, clinical programs over the years for state associations and different uh, organizations out there and uh, really, truly enjoyed that. And then working with industry uh, about five years ago, we'll have our fifth meeting in Scottsdale this year. We started optometric education consultants, myself and uh, Dr. Joe Salka, um, just one day sitting over a glass of wine, just saying, hey, we really enjoy this. We work well together. Um, we kind of have the same mission of seeing patients and because Joe uh, worked at Nova at that time, but he worked in neuro and advanced glaucoma seeing patients and he loved going out and spreading the word of neuro and glaucoma 
And so we just partnered up and we started our first meeting, like I said, five years ago in Scottsdale, Arizona. I can't believe it's been that long, Joe. Or Joe, <laughs> Greg, I can't believe it's been that long. You guys are just like one person in one folder. Well, sometimes mind. we are interchangeable. Exactly. So, <laughs> Well, it is. Um, you, you guys remind me of each other the way that you communicate even too about these concepts. I mean, you're, you're oftentimes talking about complex concepts and uh, you're, you're breaking them down for the people that are in the trenches like us that, again, um, really need those clinical pearls on when, how to, to identify these these cases, conditions, and then ultimately how to manage them. It's actually the one thing that I realized, I was at one of your meetings at Mackinac, and it was, it was so interactive, Greg. I mean, is that something that you guys do intentionally where you're trying to create that interaction, or does it just organically happen because of the content that you're delivering and how much it's evolved even, too, with the optometric scope? Yeah, that you, you certainly picked up on it, and you know you were there for a day, and it's a three day conference, and you certainly being there for the for the period that you were picked up. We love it to be interactive. Um, that's really one of our you know one of our goals to to when we do a meeting because you know when you stand up and talk to someone for fifty minutes or an hour and forty minutes, how do you really know you know what they really want to know? So the key, what I always say is you know it's kind of like flying. Let's get up the Choose a few slides to get up to 38,000 feet cruising altitude, but let's now start talking to the audience and let's see what they want and what they want to learn. And, you know, one of the things that we do, especially whenever I co-lecture, if Joe and I are sharing the stage or I lecture with a pharmacist, a lot of her name is Dr. Tracy Offerdahl. And what we like to do is just put our cell phone numbers on the, on, you know, the bottom of the slides and let people text in a question. You know, because that really now helps direct us in which way we want to go. So that's been really fun to be able to do that. And if we don't know the answer, you know, we don't know the answer. We can't know everything, but at least we're getting the questions. It could be someone in the back of the room that's shy, you know, afraid to raise their hand or, you know, or, or feel that maybe the question might, you know, if they raise their hand. I, I always tell people, look, if your name is in my phone book, I'll know who you are. But if it's not, you, you know, it's anonymous. So just ask whatever question you want. So. I find too that it's just it's easier to ask questions like that too, Greg. Like even if if somebody's not in your cell phone and they they send you a question, it's oftentimes easier for people to do that because oftentimes there are questions that are in the audience. But you know, you may not want to raise your hand. You may not be that public person sitting in an audience of 150 people to just put up your hand and ask something because at the end of the day, some. You know, there is a psychological component to it. You're amongst colleagues. And if you have a question, you never want to kind of feel or seem inferior to the people that are around you. So sometimes you just kind of become reclusive and hide that back. I think it's it opens up a unique stream of communication with, with you guys, the educators and um, and the people in the audience. Yeah, Greg, re- really where it birthed from, Milo, was, you know, you take a break and you're standing out getting a cup of coffee and you can see someone makes a beeline for you and yeah. you know you just go wow that would have been a great question for you know for everyone right mm-hmm. so that's really i tried after that happened i don't know i'm a, I'm a slow learner i guess maybe after 25 <laughs> times like we got to figure out a way to try and get this to happen during the lecture so that's just one of the techniques that we use and we try to get everyone feel uncomfortable and there's you know, no dumb question out there. The only dumb question is the question not asked. And that's kind of the approach we take. So as quickly as optometry is evolving too, Greg, and as quickly as just general medicine is evolving in our role 
in medicine is evolving. I mean, I, so I've been in clinical practice for 19 and a half years now, and I've seen a massive shift even locally on how the physicians locally are leaning on us where you know, there was always these kind of uh, pseudo boundaries that were built between medicine and optometry. Those are completely broken down now, Greg, and we have open communication back and forth. And we're just as important of a resource as any other healthcare provider in the community. I think that's really interesting, but I think it puts an additional layer of responsibility on the clinicians that really want to kind of embrace the full scope practice and being part of the community healthcare system. And that's one of the things that I really felt with your, with your program is you guys, you guys are talking about systemic health and you guys are talking about how one, it affects the eye, but also to how the eye detects certain things that are happening systemically. Is that just kind of, did it happen or is that by design? Have you guys really selected a more, a broader approach to education and the topics that you select, is that intentional? I mean, are you guys designing this to really kind of cater to this next wave of how optometry is practicing? Yeah. I mean, cause we hear it all the time, Joe and I is, you know, we deal with, you know, some complicated cases and just like, you know, we'll kind of chuckle like, Hey, look, that primary care doc put that uveitis on sulfacetamide and so on and so forth. Um, we have to all work as a team, right? And we figured that out, you know, I, I figured that out a while ago, but, you know, there was only a few of us, that, I guess, that felt comfortable maybe spreading that word. But like you said, uh, optometry has morphed into we're part of the healthcare system. So really, that's one of the things that Joe and I try to do. We bring in internists and neurologists and PCPs and pharmacists and lecture to and they, you know, the prime, especially the primary care docs, like they like whenever there's a complicated case let's not even say complicated, just a case that they might need help on, like a branch retinal vein occlusion, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, and I guess one of the best things that we did in our, in, in my practice is we brought in the, the physician assistant students and they come in for, you know, uh, like a, a week training from the local school here. And they really now see how complicated the eye is hmm. so that they do know that if something doesn't seem right, why don't you just go to your local optometrist because they have like you have in the background right there, they have a slit lamp that's able to take a little deeper dive and see what's going on. So yeah, it is out of design. And really we try to bring in lecturers that really, you know, truly understand optometry and embrace optometry uh, that are out there. Uh, whether it's from, uh, like I said, internist to neuro-ophthalmologist, um, you know, we want the audience to feel comfortable uh, that's out there and really get rid of that stigma that we're our own profession. No, we really plug into the profession or into the healthcare system pretty, uh, pretty nicely. Well, it was, it was, it was evident when I was there, Greg, it was tangible, it was palatable. And I felt, I think with any good education program, I think if the clinician or the attendees walking out feeling better about themselves, really re-solidifying some of the things that maybe we don't encounter frequently, but we now have a refresher on, but also grabbing some clinical pearls around those areas that we know we're going to be able to implement in clinical practice. That's when the education is a, is a win for us. And I really felt that. And you guys, again, 
you, you just you just have a winning strategy. So so kudos, Greg. Well, thank yeah. you, thank you for uh, allowing me to talk about it. And of course, uh, you know, you know, we try and do great education, and we try and do them in great locations. That's the other thing that we want to do too. Is we try and do them as you saw Mackinac Island. How about it? No cars, you know, uh, horse and buggy, feet and bikes. So that was pretty cool. So <laughs> that, that was that was unique. The only thing that we I wish wasn't there was the rain. Everything else was awesome, Greg. Yeah, how about <laughs> it, huh? Yep. Well, listen, Greg. Thank you, thank you for uh, being on on the episode today, and thank you all for uh, joining us on this episode of the OI Show. Thank you very much, and Mila. You know, you were very nice and you know, had nice things to say about me. I just got to make sure I echo, you know, 19 years you've been in this profession, you've been moving this profession forward. So I want to thank you for what you've done and for what you're doing here. So good job and, and many more years of doing it. Thank you for having me. Appreciate you, Greg. Thanks.